This is the Life Origami Podcast. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we will be reading to you from our book, The Lost Guru. Uncover the mental habits that prevent you from fully inhabiting your life and accessing your intrinsic wisdom. We'll read a portion of the book. Amethyst and I will have a conversation about it, and then we'll put them out three times a week until the book's complete. Enjoy the show. So in the last episode, we talked about the fact that there's no hack to bypassing the learning curve. And we talked, we ended the show talking about the fact that masters never are never complacent. And they're never really in their comfort zone because they know it's going to prevent them from exploring the fullness of who they are and, and their craft. And they're, they have this playful attitude towards learning. And um, oftentimes they're learning and teaching at the same time. So today we're going to be reading, continuing to read from chapter one of The Lost Guru. And this portion of what we're going to be talking about is living as a perpetual student. Now these masters were willing to try anything, talk about anything. And when you asked a question that they had not heard before, they would stop, look you in the eye, chuckle and say something like is that so isn't that interesting or tell me more nothing was off limits and they respected everyone regardless of their experience appearance or position of power in fact the more impressed other people were with themselves and their perception of their abilities the more agile the masters became in handling them They could dispense with silly people like ants. Never becoming disturbed or pretentious, they would wryly mock these self-important people with subtle humor. The way they viewed life and people was simple. They seemed to observe people from one of three aspects or perspectives. Rigid, flexible, or silly. They adored and studied the flexible people had pity and little time for the rigid and inflexible. They were remarkably nimble, dispatching missives to the silly souls who might cross their paths. When people would attempt to assert their intellect, they still respected them because in the master's world, each person represents an opportunity for the master to learn and grow. Most important, they never left the learning curve and always did the work required to achieve unconscious competence. Truth is, their work felt more like play, like a kid playing and mixing paint for the first time. They were always willing to explore something new and could turn any task into a play date, which was their real art. They played with their work and worked at their play. They seemed to effortlessly solve problems by embracing the art and science of their craft. The science lies in their ability to correlate cause and effect while still in the learning curve. Their art is the creative exploration of their observations and their relentless pursuit of excellence and applying what they learned. The Art of a Life Well Lived Art is a strange and wonderful thing. Some might say even mystical. Yet, 
When you're in the presence of art, you feel it. This is because the artist has revealed something that we identify with when viewing their art. For example, a sculptor sees an image in the marble even when it is a boring hunk of rock. Slowly, the artist removes material to uncover the image they see hidden within the stone. This same opportunity is available to us in this life if we learn to take the sculptor's perspective. The image of what you want in your life is already present. It is your job as the sculptor to reveal it by shedding the unnecessary material, baggage, and bulk accumulated as we move through life. If you're disciplined, slowly, you will begin chipping away at the extra and unnecessary weight of life. This is the effortless unfolding of a life of ease. When you allow all life and nature to be what it needs to be, then you will be exploring your relationship with life like it is an unfolding work of art. You will begin to feel your momentum start to build. Exploring the Art of Building Momentum The impetus of momentum, aka energy, gained by a moving object is like a flywheel. A flywheel is attached between the crankshaft and the ignition system, which triggers the starter and begins to move the flywheel of the engine. The heaviness of the flywheel stores the potential kinetic energy and smooths the operation of a reciprocating engine. The flywheel is heavy. The stored energy is captured by the weight of the flywheel and used to increase the engine's momentum and smooth movement. The potential energy captured in the large mass overcomes the resistance, inertia, to movement. The energy then becomes dynamic and movement is effortless. Less force is required to maintain it. With all movement, energy is expended and motion occurs. It will eventually lose its momentum unless it has continuously, continuous energy added. But it takes less energy to keep it going than initially when there was greater inertia. There's the example of when you can't seem to start a car and you decide to push start it. <clears throat> Initially, the hardest part is getting it going. Once in motion, less force and effort is needed to keep it going. Momentum builds and the combined weight of the flywheel and car's momentum combine to maintain momentum. The momentum of the flywheel helps us in our lives too. The intention to learn and expand overcomes your own human inertia. When something is learned once, it can be applied again. In our program, we assert that mastering the art of momentum occurs when your mindset, skills, tools, training, and coaching add energy and power to the flywheel of your learning curve of your life. You become a net positive energy generator and an energy resource, which over the course of time adds momentum to your life. Your actions become more refined, accurate, and effortless. To live consistently in your learning curve, you will need to step into a heightened level of self-expression 
and tap into your drive to thrive. Author Commentary. So in this part of the conversation, talking about the perpetual student, living as a perpetual student, we believe that that's the beginning of mastery. Now, I have a story about a master boat builder. And it was really interesting, a um, couple things. Probably the cleanest woodworking shop I ever saw in my life. <laughs> very clean, very well organized. But it was in this boat builder built wooden boats and as i got as asking questions he was showing me this walking through the shop getting a little tour and we stopped at this one boat and he's talking about it and he said yeah i'm not sure how that that boat's gonna turn out i said why is that well we're trying a new glue <laughs> it's like oh my god my ears are gonna start to bleed like <laughs> the detail that he could go into about the boats and how they how they prepare the wood, how they cut the wood, pay attention to the grain, how they put it together by hand and plain I mean ugh, it's like making my ears bleed so thought, oh my God, what have I got to learn? I have to now listen to glue. <laughs> He's gonna talk about glue, but I was smart enough that I said, okay, well, what what do you mean? You're not sure how it's gonna turn out. Well, you know, we have a, a glue that we've always used, it's very successful, except this particular glue uh, cures about twice as fast. So it's a little bit of an experiment. We're gonna see how it turns out, and it's like, wow, this is a person that builds these very expensive handmade custom wood boats and he's got this oh, still willing to learn and experiment and i thought he was he never left school <laughs> he just he still was a student he never stopped being a student even though he was now running a very successful business but the intensity of his eyes and the and the focus and the dedication to the craft was pretty apparent I was just thinking about uh, my business when I put the animatronics into my business and mm. I had a talking tree that narrated a puppet theater um, presentation. And um, <laughs> uh, it had this big, loud generator that I put in the back room in the electronics room. And it had a bit of noise, so I had to turn the music up so that uh, the kids could hear the play. <laughs> well, no sooner did the craftsman um, make that tree for me and deliver it and set it up. He found another way to make this tree function without that generator, which I was a little miffed because here I, he didn't discover it until after he made mine. But he Working was Working out more money. <laughs> I probably paid for his new invention. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is that, you know, he was always growing, and he also said that... Um, when he went to work in the morning, it was like he was at playing. He was at daycare. He was mm. just playing. It never felt like working. And he worked from morning till night. He just, you know, put in the hours. And he says, uh, used to say that daddy plays with dolls because, um, <laughs> you know, he put together a lot of talking and dancing dolls and stuff like that. Right. And teddy bears. 
Interesting. Yeah. You... I also noticed that um, we talked about um, a sculptor sees an image right. in the marble, even when it's a boring hunk of rock. And I was just thinking about that. Um, the canvas, uh, when you paint a picture on canvas, you have to visualize what it is, um, how you want it to look on the, on the uh, canvas. So a blank piece of canvas or paper can become anything, but you um, have to have the vision. So that's the, my point is that you have to know the result of what you want to achieve, and then you come up with the vision, and then you come up with the goals. And it's like this, you, you go backwards rather than goals first, and so that you're hoping to to hit right. the mark like a bullseye, right? You're you're reverse on in a sense working backwards from the result. Yeah, that's right. 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 Well, and that's and that's a really interesting point. But the thing is, at some point though, you eventually you have to stop visualizing. You have to get into action. Right, and that's I wanted to, I to talk more about that flywheel. Okay. Um. Well, I was wanting you to maybe explain more about right. that. We both, we both know what a flywheel is and how it, it works, but uh, our listener may not yeah. understand that. So, so the, the, the car, you know, when you, that, there was a time when if there was a problem with the car, you, or you, you could start a car by pushing it. I don't know that that works anymore <laughs> because you'd have to have a clutch. <laughs> because what you do is you you put the car into gear and then you get some people and they start pushing the car. Now, if you've ever tried to push a car, that first 10, 15 seconds is excruciating because uh, you're yeah. pushing so hard, the car is so heavy. But once you get it moving, then it gets easier. Then you really have to put your back into it and, and speed up your feet and start pushing harder and harder. Slowly, the momentum builds. The car, the car now has enough weight enough momentum and weight behind it that the person that's in the in the driver's seat can pop the clutch and when you pop the clutch it forces the engine to get going and, and the it, only thing that slows it down is friction right friction over a distance so that may be the wheels on the road um, there's many things uh, creating it um, but then if you're on a hill Right. That's going then, to be really tough going. Yeah. So then <laughs> you have to use the brakes. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's what I was thinking. I forgot to say that. But <laughs> well, <laughs> well, either way, <laughs> you know, if you're going downhill, that's cool, you know. But then you have to stop yourself because you got so much momentum going. That's what the brakes are for, right? Well, it's really interesting because uh, I got a funny story about pushing cars. No, <laughs> say it isn't so. <laughs> it's my mother's story. Oh, so okay. when she was growing up. They had a Model A, okay. a Model A Ford, yeah. and uh, where they lived. Um, so what would happen is the start. They weren't strong enough, my mother or her, to use the crank to start the car. Okay. So my uh, my grandmother would ask my mother to push the car to get it started rolling down the hill. And then my mother would have to race ahead of the car to open the gate. 
they didn't go and open the gate first. But she she told me the story about how she'd have to race ahead of the car because uh, the, the car would start to roll down the hill. She would race uh, to open the gate, and then her mother would then uh, pop the clutch, get the car started, and slowly get the car would chug chug along down the hill. Then my mother would have to jump into the car <laughs> while did it's moving. Go, did she have to go back and close the, date, the gate too? I never got to that part of the story. <laughs> uh, but uh, but that's an example of of momentum. Yeah. And so it's kind of uh, like a... getting out of bed in the morning, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> it's, we're slow to get out, but once we stand up and maybe have our cup of coffee, then we're going a little faster after that. But that's a poor right example. <laughs> <laughs> but we said in the book, in our reading, the that the you know the example of starting a car. Initially, the hardest part is getting it going. Initially starting something for the first time is yeah. the key it's the secret and it's just get started you you have to start and then start and then start and then start there is no finishing there's only starting and restarting and starting and that's what happens when you're in the learning curve there right. is this um power and energy that is within this learning curve and this is the flywheel of mm. your life. So you become a net positive energy generator. And I was an, an energy resource, which over the course of time adds momentum to your life. And then your actions become more refined, accurate, and effortless. So I was thinking about even when I was going through my business and developing it, even in my sleep, I seemed to be learning and growing and I would wake up with this aha moment and then um it's like this wheel kept turning even at nighttime um because it uh one thing built on the other and the next day i'd have a whole new day of adventures to tackle and it just seemed to be i seemed to be um there was this big energy generating right as I was in the learning curve because I was learning more and it become more exponential is what happened. Yeah. The more I learned, the more I could do with it. And the more the actions I took um, that were moving me forward, I took the feedback I was learning and um, then I was able to make more decisions. And it was like this nice little cycle that went upwards. And that's what I mean by this this wheel that just kept turning. Right. And, and so one of the key things we'll leave off here with this part of our commentary is the fact if you want, do you want to increase your momentum? If you want to increase your moment, momentum, stay in the learning curve. Step into the learning curve. Give yourself permission to be a perpetual student of life and of the feedback that life is giving to you. Extract the lesson and act on it and you'll never be the same. You can start anew. Because there's never any such thing as failure. Fail is simply first attempt in learning. And there's no end to potential. There's no end to potential. So stay tuned. There's more to follow in the next show.